0: You know, just having this really amazing conversation with Matt and John, and, you know, they were like, hey, let's make these hats, but we only want to make a few, you know, because it's about scarcity, and the purple hat was really kind of coming alive, and Gary was pushing a a lot of that stuff, and we're like, let's actually make a physical purple hat, and it's fun. And we didn't think too far ahead, you know, we were just like, one of our goals of many is to bridge this divide between the physical world and the metaverse, right? I think that is actually one of our jobs as
1: the hundreds. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast.
2: Every Wednesday we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel, I'm Alejandro Navia, and I'm Matt
1: Medved, and we're on a mission to
2: empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Matt, how you feeling? I am feeling really excited about this episode. We have a very special guest. Yes, we do. We have Mr. Bobby Hundreds. Bobby is one of the co-founders of The Hundreds, which is a very well-known streetwear brand. They were founded in 2003 and have done a fantastic job at staying relevant and staying culturally impactful since the time of their founding. I think far before NFTs were even a thing. I love how Bobby even equates a lot of what's happening in the NFT market to when the the streetwear and fashion community was hesitant to e-commerce, thinking about getting scammed and how this is kind of a new step for the whole market to take. And I I think he's very much at the forefront of taking those steps in the fashion community. He has a uh, very successful project, Adam Bomb Squad. Um, There's a lot of interesting utility and ways in which they're giving back to community and supporters of the hundreds. Uh, And just to put things in context, the Adam Bomb Squad has sold over uh, 10,900 ETH in sales volume since it was released. And in USD terms, we're talking over $51 million at the current price of ETH. So I think he's he's definitely playing his cards right. And most importantly, trailblazing how fashion brands can leverage NFTs to empower their community. What stood out to you, Matt?
1: I mean, name a better entry to the space, Sam, working with CryptoPunks, working with Bored Apes, launching a very successful project. He is looking 10 years ahead. He is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, and that's why he has found himself at the forefront here. It's no accident. I love his perspective on Web3. Everyone should listen to it. I'm
2: excited to hear it. Yeah, for sure. And before we get into it, definitely want to make sure if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter at nftnow.com. Every single week, we simplify the NFT market down into actual insights so you can find the best way to get involved. So without any further ado, Bobby Hundreds. Bobby, what's happening, man? Welcome to the show. What's up? How are you guys doing? Oh, we're chilling, man. Super excited to have you on. We'd love for you just to kind of set the stage and uh, talk a little bit about the backstory and founding story of the hundreds, and then more yeah. recently, how you kind of uh, brought it into the metaverse through NFTs.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, where do we begin, right? Because the hundreds is really a reflection of our entire lives. And when I say our, I see I'm talking about Ben, my co-founder and I. And so everything that the brand stands for and represents is funneled from our life experiences, the culture that we grew up in, our interests, everything, right? From like sports cards and skateboarding to hip hop and punk. And I grew up in the hardcore scene. So a lot of that philosophy is distilled down into this brand. So uh, we say since 1980, that's one of our taglines with the hundreds because that's the year that we were born. And uh, But really, the brand started in 2003. And um, it was, at that time, we didn't call this genre of fashion streetwear. Uh, it was more known as independent t-shirt brands run by artists, uh, especially out of New York, LA, some out of San Francisco. Um, London was big with it. Tokyo was really leading the charge. Uh, and we were really admiring these artists and designers that were putting their work onto t-shirts, marking it up, you know, but done in a really tasteful way. Everything was about scarcity. Everything was about limited edition. Um, Japan really owned that because they knew how to, package they knew how to market and brand t-shirts in a way where they were considered as luxury items and uh a lot of the american designers were kind of looking to that and saying hey they're taking streetwear or this casual sportswear to a level where it's almost akin to luxury goods right and so uh if you're familiar with the term veblen goods you know pricing things at a certain amount or essentially it's all a lot of smoke and mirrors but um a lot of image and uh uh, representation, marketing is imbued in the product. It's not just t-shirts, pants, and jeans anymore. Now it, it really embodies a culture and a community that you're a part of. That's what the hundreds was. And we wanted to do that. We, we wanted to, to bring in the clothing. But like what you guys are doing actually with NFT now, the content, the storytelling, and the people side of it were more important than the actual product it, itself. And over time, I think that's what uh, the brand has really stood for, people over product. And I wrote a book a couple years ago that summarizes everything I just talked about. It's called This Is Not a T-Shirt. Because along my journey, I realized that as much as I love fashion and clothing and design and Veblen goods and all this luxury stuff... Uh, What it's really been about the entire time is the stories of people and human stories and designers and, and, and the experiences and what they've gone through to in their careers, you know, and so NFTs really spoke to us because it kind of actually removed a lot of the fashion elements that we understand it today in a traditional sense. And put the spotlight on, this has always been about human stories. It's always been about art. It's always been about identity, brand, community, craft, culture, all the things that we know NFTs as today. Uh, fashion, streetwear, were always that. But it was through the vehicle of fabric and cotton and materials. But uh, now it's done in a digital sense. And so I think that kind of traversed the... A to Z
1: of the hundreds to NFT. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And we'll we'll dig a bit more into, you know, into your projects and what what you've been working on there. Yeah. Um but you know, all three of us uh, were at NFT NYC and then straight yes. into ComplexCon. It's been a bit of a marathon, but it was really yeah. interesting. Almost as like a study in contrasts, and so I wanted to get your thoughts on what did, what did you see between the two conferences, sort of at the intersection of NFTs and culture.
0: You were speaking on this last night, yeah. <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> um, I had the same thoughts. You know, we went from NFT NYC, which is just so niche, right? We are still so niche. I had a. I had dinner with um, a, kind of a big tech company last night. There was a bunch of people at the table. And I realized that, and I don't come from tech, right? I come from streetwear and fashion and sneakers and skateboarding and all this. And I'm sitting at a table of all these tech people. And I was the foremost voice and expert on NFTs in the metaverse. And I really am not. Like, how am I the smartest person in the room on this particular subject? And I left and I called Ben, my partner. And I was just like, yo, I just left this dinner and why is it that I'm the leader? I'm I'm still the student, and he was like, "It's not that, and they're behind." You know, even the tech industry overall, it's not that they're behind, and even just laymen, you know, people passersby on the street, they're not behind at all. It's just we are so far ahead. We're so incredibly advanced with this conversation and the way that we're thinking about these things right now, almost like too far ahead in some sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I think we really. Um, saw that very clearly at Complex Con. While we were at NFT NYC and we're walking around the streets and everyone is having NFT conversations, which was kind of remarkable, right? We're in Times Square. You can just hear it in the background. People talking about apes and they're talking about Web3 and Metaverse and Zuckerberg and like whatever the topic was of that week. And then we were immersed right into Complex Con. And for those who don't know, Complex Con is an annual convention, more or less. It's like a comic con for sneaker and streetwear culture. It's been going on for a few Years put on by Complex. And so ComplexCon followed it right afterwards here in Long Beach, California. And when you're walking through that space and you're seeing um, just regular folks, everyday collectors out there that are still waiting in line for sneakers, still buying t-shirts, still spending $100 for a hoodie and, and a toy, realizing that this is still the mainstream culture. This is still what young people want and that they're drawn to. I was getting hit up by a lot of Younger people and kids who were in Adam in our project, Adam Bomb Squad, they were coming up. They're like, "Yo, I got bombs! I got this and that." But not everyone, right? And so there were NFT artists representing there. We had Fiochus, and you had All Smiles, and you had. Um, I'm trying to think of which other artists were like bigger that were there, but there was there was NFTs, NFT representation on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could tell that a lot of people were still maybe a little confused, if unaware of of how important those figures were and so the gap is still wide this gap is still very wide and the people at ComplexCon are on the front lines of culture <laughs> those are the coolest people and they still were a little unfamiliar if not unknowing of what nfts are so we have a lot of work to do um, as educators right like we are the teachers especially you with nft now uh, we have a responsibility and a duty to onboard a lot of these people, get them accustomed to the language, and uh, lower this barrier of entry for them to get in. and And everyone is kind of doing their part, from what I can see. If you're a collector, you have that duty and responsibility too. You know, I tell all our collectors, I'm like, hey, the best thing you can do for our community is just onboarding someone. You know, you don't, no one needs to come in and spend a zillion dollars on NFTs, but get one NFT. It can be, you know, it doesn't even have to be on Ethereum. You know, go on another chain, buy something cheap, just so that. They they understand what it is because I am such a believer in the metaverse and where this technology is going, where the future of this culture is going. I don't want my community to be left behind. I want them to have a stake in the conversation. So even if it's just one, it doesn't have to be ours, but just get one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. And I think even just mentioning kind of how the ComplexCon and the culture present there is very much at the front lines. It's also going to be a very fun time. I feel like a year from now, next year's ComplexCon, we'll see vastly more NFT representation. And I think what's cool too is when, I mean, a lot of our mission is to not only empower the creators of culture, but to foster mainstream adoption around NFT. So we very much kind of like, deconstructed what the like early adopter graph looks like and one segment of the early majority is definitely this like hype streetwear culture because a lot of the same psychology of like drop dynamics and scarcity and collection is like so present there that it's really just a matter of time for that community to really like sink their teeth into this.
0: Yeah, I I say that you know, I kind of jokingly but have seriously say that we invented this game, right? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't. Obviously, collecting and collectibles have been around since Gary would talk about sports cards growing up and he was doing wine and there's always been all these niche things when I was I I remember watching like grandparents collecting coins like that was what that they were what they were into Um, there's scarcity there and there's things that were limited edition and and there's people really identifying around these you're building tribes around being a coin collector Um, what I think streetwear and sneakers did though is that we made it kind of relevant and cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way where young people were like, it's cool to do that. It wasn't Mm -hmm. ever really cool to collect necessarily sports cards or even comic books. They were kind of like nerd and niche cultures and comic con kind of tended to that venues like complex con venues, like hypebeast and streetwear in the hundreds. uh, We took collector culture and we made it so that you could be like the cool kid at school with like the limited edition sneakers and the cool Nikes on. And so, um, I think that's the attitude of NFTs that uh, we have contributed in where you can be a collector, but it can also be done in a really cool and culture forward way and where we are putting on for young artists that need
2: um more and more
0: spotlight on them.
2: Totally. No, I absolutely love that. And I, I think, too, definitely keen to, uh, and we'll, we'll explore a little later in the conversation, kind of some of the different trends and ways this will influence that market and ways people that are, can can really engage. But I'd love to also, too, just kind of ground it, because I feel like you definitely have set a really strong precedent with the Adam Bomb Squad and really using that to kind of pioneer a model for how different brands and creators and artists could potentially engage in the space. So could you just kind of set the stage with exactly what the Adam Bomb Squad is, yeah, how you can operate? Yeah.
0: So speaking of Gary, uh, early in the year, I, I fell into NFTs about this time last year. Um, I saw the Beeple sale. of Our friend Trevor from Friends with Benefits hit me up and I was talking to him about NFT stuff. And then around January, I was talking to Gary. And Gary's like, You're familiar with NFTs now. I can see you're in the game. I'm like, Yeah. He's just like, Do you know about CryptoPunks? I'm like, No, I don't know anything about it. All I know right now is that NFTs are a way for my art to get seen, my photography to get seen. And the same for a lot of my friends that I've, that galleries might not represent or media might not be quite friendly to. So Gary's like, well, look at this project, CryptoPunks. And we got obsessed. And Ben and I just fully dove headfirst into CryptoPunks. And we're like, this is so cool and so smart. And Ben especially is just like a punk's maxi. He just, he sits on the website still for like hours a day still. (laughs) And we're almost like a year later. And so around that time in January, we're like, we can do the same thing. Right. And a lot of people felt this way. Anyone who built a project this year was probably inspired along the same line. And we were like, we have this collection of bombs for 18 years we have done hundreds and hundreds of iterations of Adam, Madam, and Badam Bomb. Those are the three main characters in our family, and these bombs have always acted as mascots for the brand. They are our Mickey, Minnie, and Donald. They are our Ronald and McDonald um, for for McDonald's, and so the brand community has always known them as representatives of the hundreds. And they love collecting them already. They love collecting them through t-shirts. They love collecting them on merchandise. We still have collections that are just all about bombs and people love wearing it. So we're like, it's already attuned to how the NFT mechanics work. Uh, We have the history built in. We're now coming at it from a space where we've built an established brand. We've proven ourselves. We have the credibility of establishing a business. We have the infrastructure to do it. It's almost like, why wouldn't we do this at this point, right? <laughs> we have a community that we're trying to onboard onto. I, I, look, NFTs, in, in a large part, are also a Trojan horse to get people into crypto, right? And I'm so bullish on crypto, and I just don't see any other future, that I'm looking at my community, and a lot of them are crypto illiterate, just like I was, And I need to get them in. How can I get them in? I can sit here and preach about Ethereum and Bitcoin all day. We started doing it in 2017 with our website and our brand. We started accepting Bitcoin and crypto and saying you can buy our clothes using crypto in 2017. And a few people did it over the years and we have kept it open, but it's just never been that popular. And as you guys all know, (laughs) NFTs (laughs) were a way for people to be like, oh, here's number one, a place where I can spend my crypto, but it's also done in a way where it's kind of fun, right? Like if we can package it, like we know how important marketing is. It's a very dense subject, crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's just dense. It's a dry subject. You go to a a dinner party. We're going to see this a lot during Thanksgiving and the holidays. There's going to be an annoying uncle at the table who's just like, let me tell you about Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's just like, dude, (laughs) yawn. But if you're like, hey, but look at Bored Apes and look at what they're doing, look at their parties they're throwing, look at the merchandise they're making, it's like, all right, well, my interest is peaked. That's something I can relate to in a tangible way. And so we saw that opportunity. We're like, we can finally onboard this community into crypto. We can do it through the vehicle of atom bombs, which they're already well familiar with, they already love collecting them. We already have the culture and the community set. We have the artists involved. We have 20 artists or so that have collaborated on bombs throughout the collection. We have Mr. Cartoon and Ron English and Kenny Sharp, like real legends, and also NFT artists like Sean Williams, Sophie Sturtevant. You know, we're speaking the same language, we can get them in. So we had 25,000 bombs made, and at the time everyone is just like, wow, this is a lot because the standard f- was for projects for more or less, you're looking around 10,000, give or take. I'm like, why 25,000? Well, I think in 10 years out, I never think about in 10 days or 10 months out. I'm not even thinking about the next year. We're just thinking about the future. And I'm like, this project is for 25,000 different ones. I foresee in the next year or so, hundreds of thousands and millions and Hopefully, billions of people getting in. 25,000 is nothing, it's scant, right? And the point of this, again, is to bring as many people into NFTs and crypto as possible. And so, why limit it to a certain pool? Um, And so, we put out 25,000 at the end of August. They blew out in 40 minutes, they're gone. And uh, the project has just been all about cultivating the community and setting the foundation ever since. And we're doing everything on a very, the 100-specific timeline. Everything is very thoughtful and deliberate. We are not, not doing everything for right now. We're just doing things right, right? So... You know, that's as far as like even the way that we're communicating in our discord, the way that we're setting up our ambassadors, the way that we're setting up collaborations, product and utility in the NFTs and the different tribes that we have within our community. um, Everything is done super tastefully and thoughtfully. And people are starting to see it at first. They're like, why isn't everything happening right away? We want everything to happen right away. And Gary and I talked about this yesterday, but for the hundreds, and it's not going to take this long, but for the hundreds, it took three years to turn a profit right most successful businesses they require that amount of time to lay a foundation unless they have like an infusion of cash that's just coming in it, even if you have that it just takes years like look at a company like twitter right Still, like probably not profitable. Like that's <laughs> not really what it's about. In the it, you're you're betting on the long term. So everything with Adam Bomb Squad is established the same way. We're focusing on the people first. We're cultivating and curating our community over and over. And when I say we are curating, the cu- the community is curate- curating itself. And so people are coming in. Some people love it. They get it. They're like, I'm here for 10 years, 100 years. I'm like, cool, you understand how we do things at the 100s. We've been around for 20 years. Like, In some ways, we're still not successful, right? In in certain people's eyes, in a traditional business person's eyes. Other people are like, wow, this brand is the biggest on the planet. And so if you're on board for that, you're going to get it. Some people are coming in. Some people bought it Mint and are, are just like, this isn't a quick flip. It's not not a day trading thing. And I'm like, no, it was never really positioned for that. We just aren't one of those kinds of NFTs. In the long run, it'll work, but in the 2 weeks that you got your NFT, it's you're not going to see that kind of movement. That's just not what we we're built for. There's 25,000 of these things. It's all about culture forward. We're not going to hype it up just to like fill a lot of people's pockets and then dump the project in here like this is our entire life, you know? And I think a lot of NFT projects are coming into this space not even believing that this is going to be around six months. I hear a lot of founders in the way that they talk, I see a lot of collectors and I see how they like really talk about NFTs and metaverse and web three. I'm like, you don't really believe it. Like you really don't think this is gonna, you know. And so if we have a lot of these people in the space who are just like, yeah, man, I'm here for this in the community, and I'm here for NFTs in long term, but really their actions are just showing like, wait, I don't know if you actually believe that this is going to stick around. That really hurts the ecosystem. And so we are fostering a community that's just like, no, we're here. We're planting our roots deep and we're going to stick around. And because there's so much trust built in, uh, the project is actually just getting stronger and stronger every day.
1: I love that. I love that. And I love the long-term vision. Um, I mean, even the motto, you know, people over product really speaks to Web3's ethos. Exactly. Um, and, you know, entering the space is easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I think you really led the charge, you know, for a lifestyle brand, a streetwear brand to, re- to enter the space in a really meaningful, community driven way. Um, I'd love to hear a bit about what were some of the lessons learned uh, along that, along that oh my along the way during yeah. that process? Um, because it's a lot of moving parts to, you know, in some ways it is similar to, um, you know, a drop, but there's a whole host of, of, <laughs> oh of new, new factors to worry about, right? Yes. So love to hear a bit about that journey and, and you know, what you learned mm, from it. The timelines are quite different, right? Um, we
0: even, with our brand, we were able to establish it before social media even started. So we didn't have all the voices in our head. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever, if you're an artist or creator, you're sitting there and someone's watching over your shoulder. We have almost 8,000 people in our community now. (laughs) 8,000 different wallet holders who are all looking over our shoulder going like, move this over there, move that, move that. (laughs) And that at first was honestly quite hard for me. Because I'm used to working in silence. I'm used to working from with a very clear vision. I take the feedback from the community. I go back as the leader and I do my thing. And to sit in the Discord and have eight, have 8,000 voices in my head. And a lot of them were worried. And a lot of them were anxious saying like, where's my money? I need to make money. I put my life savings into this. That is incredibly crippling for an artist uh, to do. and 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 that's the nature of the game. And the artists and the creators and the leaders and the founders who are going to survive and thrive in this are going to have to know how to deal with that and use it to their advantage, right? And so I come from a web one, web two background and pretty like pre-social media background and we built our brand in a time where um, it was very much like led by founders and doing whatever they wanted. But we are also very hybrid in the sense that we've always been community-led and very sensitive to what the culture is saying. I wrote a book, a couple, this book, that's called This Is Not a T-Shirt. It's about how to build a brand around community. It's on the cover of the of the book. And so we are probably the most equipped and adaptable to building a brand in Web3 than most other brands. And we know how to listen. We know how to basically absorb that advice and that information. Um, I spent the last year and a half texting. My phone number is there to text on a website, right? And I would spend three hours a day in the pandemic just talking to thousands of people a day. So 8,000 people coming at me and now we have 30,000 people on our Discord coming and giving me input every day. It was a lot at first. It was really hard in the first month of our drop to listen to everyone. But we were able to digest it pretty well and uh, we're agile th- through it. So... Just be mindful that when you're working on an NFT project, um, a lot of friends who are my age and people who built companies in Web2, it's the first bit of advice I give them. I'm like, this is different. You're not building this alone. There are people investing and they're counting on you. And they have a voice and their voice counts. And to be honest, a lot of these people, these men and women, they're smarter than you. They really are. They're so smart. They're not just consumers. Right? We are not consumers. We are all in this together. And so you have to listen. You have to heed advice. You don't have to take everything, right? At the end of the day, like you're running the project however you want. But if you don't, Listen to what the culture is saying and the climate, and you might blow a real opportunity to that, opportunity there with your project.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I mean it, it's fascinating, and I, I love too how I mean the just the thread is always nurturing this relationship with the community and giving them an opportunity to participate and create that fandom and become ambassadors. I'm curious when it comes to um, utility. You alluded to it. I think you're leveraging utility with the Adam Bomb Squad. What are some of the most exciting potential use cases of utility, not only for you, but as other people are thinking around, okay, I don't want to just drop this graphic as a collectible, but I really want to engage and provide new utility to my community. Like, Yeah. What, yeah, what comes to mind for you?
0: So our project was very much utility-led, and um, it's this pie-in-the-sky dream that I think we're going to actualize uh, one day very soon you <laughs> Uh, we're just building the technology and the infrastructure around it, and we're also just seeing how the government deals with a lot of the securities regulations <laughs> around this stuff. Uh, which we is, all are, right? W- right? We're all kind of just like, na- trying to navigate this in real time, day by day, hour by hour, things are changing a little bit. But when we came into this project, and you can read about this, it's all in the white paper. Uh, I wrote an essay ar- around this before we even launched. Uh, the entire purpose and the premise of this project is, yeah, sure, it's a history lesson in the hundreds. It's fun, it's collectible, if you're into streetwear, we want to get you out of clothing. We want to get you into digital clothing. We're trying to minimize waste on the planet when it comes to making fabrics and materials and clothing. I mean, this is very wasteful when it comes to environmental situations and conditions. People talk a lot about how crypto is harming the planet. Well, making clothing, making physical products is also very devastating. And so um, that was one of the key things was, as you know, over the last few years, I've been just really worried about sustainability and thinking about the harm that fashion is doing to the planet. Um, and so if we can m- move that mindset of identity building and try building around brands uh, from t-shirts into JPEGs or whatever it is online, uh, that's a win for me. But the underlying, the, the real driver behind the project is trying to figure out ways for the community to benefit from the upside of the brand as much as the brand founders and the brand owners do, right? And this is full-on Web3 mentality. I didn't even know that's what Web3 was uh, early in the year when we were, you know, starting to ideate on all this stuff. But in learning about NFTs and the metaverse and saying, you know, the thing that really struck me back in December was understanding that for 10, 15 years we have been conditioned... Over and over again to understand that our content and art and the captions that I write and the photography that we post and the food recommendations we put out, all of that we thought was for free just giving it doling it out for democratically everyone had access to it and it was just like everyone's doing it it's free none of it belongs to you well it was belonging to someone the whole time right <laughs> it was belonging to these tech giants these corporations and they were make and they just kept getting more inflated and getting bloated these guys are becoming trillionaires off of our content right and all the information and the things that are the ideas that are coming out of our brain I applied the same to brands. I was looking at my shoes and I'm like, I wear Nike every day. Why do I keep shilling and advertising for this corporation? And I should probably see some upside in that because... I'm, I'm walking around marketing for them. I'm an influencer, just like anyone's an influencer. I don't know if you have an audience of six people at your house or you have six million people on Instagram. It doesn't matter. You're an influencer. You should also partake in that success, right? It shouldn't just be Nike corporate or Adidas. It shouldn't just be Louis Vuitton that is making all this money. You should somehow be a part of that exchange. That's like a really huge brand experience to me. Then I thought about myself. I'm putting the mirror up to me and I'm like, for 18 years, we've been running this brand, and people are like, "Hey, I'm a part of this community. I'm a, I'm an owner. You know, I feel like I have ownership." Well, they never had ownership. I had ownership the whole time, so I'm here making all the money. These kids are running around skating, wearing our shirts, you know, lining up at stores like to buy our shoes and what, whatnot. But meanwhile, they weren't benefiting. They weren't seeing any of the upside. They weren't partaking in any of that profitability. You know, whether it was money or some kind of credit or anything like. They were just giving, 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 and I was taking, taking, taking. And I'm like, that's really unbalanced and unfair. And that type of business is completely outdated, right? Like we are all in this together, community-wise. And so I'm up here on a pedestal, writing books about community, how important everyone is, but I'm not taking care of them. Well, NFTs and Web3 are now allowing that conversation to open up and to be explored. And so that's the main thing that I'm trying to figure out we're working on with our project, Adam Bomb Squad, is how can we make it so that everyone who's promoting our brand also sees an upside. Well, they're already getting it, you know, if their NFTs are going up in value, they're going to make some money off of it. That's great. I'm talking even beyond that, right? So we've established step one, but like, let's go even more, you know, as the brand is selling and doing better, or maybe it's a design that's in the collection. Maybe, you know, you see something from that. And we're going to start pushing this out over the next few weeks people are going to see it we haven't figured out a way to like literally put dollars in people's hands like that's a securities issue (laughs) um but what can we do to make it so that like everyone's a part of the win um that's that's our main goal and I, i i think once we can unlock that and figure that out that'll upset or disrupt how a lot of brands and businesses are looking at their consumers and the consumers will want the
1: same Totally, totally. I think that's spot on. And you know, I know that you said that you're really bullish on the metaverse. And I know yes. you're, 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 that sustainability, digital fashion are all things that are top of mind for you. I'd love to hear your thoughts kind of in the spirit of looking forward. Um, what, what is the plan for the hundreds in the metaverse? And how do you feel uh, other lifestyle, fashion, streetwear brands are going to leverage that technology in that space?
0: Yeah, for us, um, I can only speak for ourselves. I mean, there's some very literal plays involved, right? Like, obviously, we're going to jump into a digital virtual landscape and have it so that you can wear our virtual virtual digital clothes um That's pretty obvious. But uh, me being an artist and visionary, I'm actually trying to reorient my brain and how it thinks about fashion overall. And fashion has been very constrained and limited to the laws of physics and human bodies and anatomy. And, um, you know, there was always these parameters that I would play and I was like, oh man, like what if we can add an extra sleeve here? Well, you can, but it would just look kind of silly and it's not very useful. But in the metaverse, our avatars, right, we could be a board ape, and right, and a board ape's head <laughs> might wear a hat differently than a human head. Right? Do apes have hands? Right? Like, what kind of gloves would apes wear? And if you have a bomb, right? Ape bombs don't have feet, and so, do what kind of sneakers would a bomb wear? What if you're like a puff of smoke? What if you're like a lizard? What if you're a snake? And so, um, we can reimagine and reinvent what fashion design is, what the utility is, because again, in the digital verse. Maybe you don't need to be exposed to certain conditions. A lot of fashion and clothing is about protecting you from the elements. We don't have the same elements elements that we know of inside of those digital environments. And so we can do with a lot of like certain layering, or maybe we can add like 400 other layers on top of what we're wearing because we'll never really get hot. And so we can play with a lot of these rules now that have confined us for since the beginning of time of what fashion is. That, and I'm probably getting like way too far ahead of myself, but um, that's kind of my North Star. I want to get to a place where fashion as we know it today and the way that you wear clothing today is completely retold in a new narrative and led by designers like me, but really you know, some of the world's leading fashion designers. But I think it's going to have to be young people or people who have just never really played in the fashion scape to come forward and to do this. And the the Artifact guys are really compelling to me because of that. They don't really necessarily have an imprint in the physical fashion legacy, but uh, the way that they're imagining fashion right now comes from a lot of gaming. and So their shoes aren't necessarily the most appealing to a traditional sneaker collector, but they're kind of like writing a new playbook for what sneakers might look like. And and that's what I want to see. I want to see more design, more fashion like that.
2: And then I'm curious too, because I mean, you're definitely like breaking trail and really kind of setting a precedent for how NFTs can operate in the fashion industry. You're alluding to some of these kind of new entrants that are like rewriting the script in the rule book. But like, what advice do you have for other fashion brands and communities that are engaging in the space? And I'm also curious too, like, what's Their perspective currently, just in conversation, is it like hesitant or more and more people trying to get engaged?
0: More people are trying to get engaged finally, but there is still a lot of hesitation, if not resistance out there from fashion. Um, It's interesting sometimes, especially especially with streetwear. In some ways, streetwear is the most progressive and the coolest and the most cutting edge. Um, but also streetwear, there's a lot of fear built in and there's a lot of insecurity and there's a lot of, I'll only do it if everyone else is doing it. And uh, that's just how a lot of these brands and these tribes have always moved. And it comes from just protection of the ego and uh, a lot of image association. And so um, they won't move forward. And that's where a lot of the collaboration speak came about in streetwear. It was just like, well, we'll all do it together and we're going to stick together. And it's tribalism versus community, which is a whole other topic but tribalism um it, it's cool but it's it, it doesn't necessarily move or advance a culture or an industry and so when our generation came in of streetwear we were more uh, accepting of collaborating working with other brands and building bridges and we need to see that more in NFTs but it'll happen but right now everyone's kind of split up and broken up into tribes but the more we work together it'll lift all the boats. That rising tide will lift all the boats. And that'll open up a marketplace in an industry. Uh, But right now, everyone's scared in NFTs. And that's a lot of how streetwear has been built, is people just kind of being scared of innovation, especially of tech. Um, There's always been this narrative written into fashion, and especially streetwear, that tech is this nerdy thing on the other side. There's a lot of judgment around it. When we started in 2003, we were really bullish on blogging. I came from blogging. I started my first blog in 1999. We're the first real streetwear blog that opened up our culture to everyone. I would go to the stores, take photos, write about it, and invite more and more people into this underworld. And streetwear, to this day hates me for it much of like the cooler older pioneering streetwear guys this guy ruined streetwear. he let too many people in it turned to tech and you know it's blogging and it's corny and, it's, and this and that and i totally get it i totally get that attitude right the things that i admired about brands like supreme and a life whatever was that they weren't on the internet and like you really had to go do the work and you had to pound the pavement and you had to visit these stores in harajuku and go underground to the busy works bathing ape shop you had to do all that stuff and now it's just easy you can tap in into it. But there is also something about me that says, hey, technology is this really useful tool. Like I found this beautiful thing <laughs> called streetwear. And now I found this beautiful thing called NFTs. I want to tell as many people about it as possible. And so I think that, um, and you know, to bring it full circle, to see the divide between NFT, NYC, and ComplexCon starting to come together. I think it's gonna happen because this new generation of younger people that are coming in are more are less they are coming from less judgment um they are more accepting of new technology they understand the importance and the attributes of owning things online um especially if they came from gaming like this is a very easy conversation for them to have Uh, but I want to see more and more fashion streetwear come in. It's, it's trickling in. We were probably one of the first. Jeff Staple was doing artifact stuff, but a collectibles project like this. Nick from Diamond just dropped the Diamond Crypto Dunks uh, which was great for, I think, our community and culture, just onboarding another demographic of streetwear people to come in. Um, and we're seeing more of these artists. Like, every day I'm 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 hearing, like, people picking my brain, like, hey, I want to get in. How do I do this? And I'm like, please, like, we need everyone. Like, no one's a competitor. <laughs> you know, there's, like, 8 billion people on the planet that we know of. There's, a, there's space for everyone. We got to all move together to build this thing. Otherwise, it won't work. And um, so many parallels to streetwear. 20 years ago, the same thing was happening. Everyone was broken up into tribes and everyone was scared. Everyone was scared of e-commerce. I'm going to get scammed. You know, like... Everything was a scam. Everyone was like, I can't trust that person. I'm going to stay with my friends over here. And our generation of streetwear brands and designers moved in and were like reaching out to each other. Hey, I love what you're doing. I respect what's going on. It's not necessarily like our aesthetic, but let's work together and collaborate and make something new. And doing that over and over and over with brands, the consumers were watching that and they had trust because we were starting to trust each other. So they're like, I trust Bobby Hundreds and I trust Nick Diamond. And they trust each other. Okay, I feel a little bit more comfortable in this space, right? There's more friendly faces here. And now Nick Diamond is working with Jeff Staple. Okay, I trust those two. Cool. And now all of a sudden you have a community. Right, you don't have people broken up into tribes just standing around with their arms crossed. We need to see that again. Like we need to see that in NFTs. Like it's we're so new, so I understand why everyone's broken up into their discords and their tribes. And everyone's like, some people are talking shit, and you know, like that's all healthy and a part of this. The, how it goes, it's fun, it's competitive. Like mine is better than yours. Like there's always this weird like <laughs> apes versus punks thing going on, yeah. and I'm like, you guys, there's like, come on, come this on, this is so stupid. There's only like ten thousand of both of those, and most of us have. Like, met both of them, and like, <laughs> you know, like, come on. This so, is not mutually exclusive. It, it, right? Yeah, and they're yeah. two totally different things, like, two totally different brands. I'm like, okay, apples and oranges, but. That's fun, but uh, eventually we're going to have to get to a point where we are all collaborating, building trust in the community. You know, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that comes just from a lack of trust and, and just being insecure and not knowing the faces, not knowing the voices, not knowing where your money is going. And as soon as we show the transparency around all
1: that, people are going to feel much more comfortable in the space. I love that, and I love hearing your thoughts on collaboration. Um, you know, you did collaborate with Board Apes uh, argue- and the Punks, and the Punks, yeah. Ar- arguably. You know, I mean, the, the two hottest, the two most significant, perhaps. Mm. You know, crypto native projects in the NFT space right now. Right. Um, love to hear your thoughts on the approach there, what, like the backstory for those, and then also like what you think the impact will be of those collaborations.
0: Yeah, so um, that just goes to piggyback, p- piggyback, and reinforce my points about how big. Uh, How bullish we are on collaborating! We've just learned this over time. Like collaborations, you know, we wrote the book on much of that stuff, and so, and by we, I'm not saying just the hundreds. I'm saying the entire industry of streetwear. We saw the benefits that came from it. Yes, they get annoying when everyone's collaborating with everyone. They're like, oh, this is a marketing ploy. But if you think about Take it all the way back to what collaborations really are about. They're two minds coming together to create something new. Like that's the genesis of creation, right? We're all kind of in our independent bodies and we're kind of like living our lives. And then you come upon someone else and collaboration is everything from like a romantic affair... You know, in a marriage, a business partnership, a collaboration is ingredients going into a recipe together. Like, these are all collaborations. And that's where real creativity and ideas come from. Like, original ideas, advancing ideas, like progressive and world-changing ideas. They don't come from just you sitting there and you had an epiphany or you had an inspiration. That actually, that idea was floating around out there and that was collaborated with your idea, right? And so... I believe in the actual spirit and, and the ethos of like what collaborating is. And so in streetwear, we would work with a lot of friends. And I love collaborating because it was something that I would never do on my own. I could just be comfortable and just in my lane and make the bombs look this way, this way. But then when Mr. Cartoon, a tattoo artist from LA comes in, is like, I want to draw the bomb this way. I'm like, I wouldn't draw them that way. But man, that wouldn't have existed if it weren't for you. Right, and there's something really beautiful and human about that. That gives me a lot of hope and faith in the world. Like, not to take it like be super transcendent about it, but collaborations can act as that. And so, when we were first getting into NFTs at the start of the year, and we were obsessed with obsessed with CryptoPunks, I was just like, "What would CryptoPunks ne- never do that we can provide for them?" and And what's something that, you know, like, we would never do that they can provide for us, right? And so we came up, you know, just having this really amazing conversation with Matt and John. And, you know, they were like, hey, let's make these hats. But we only want to make a few, you know, because it's about scarcity. And the purple hat was really kind of coming alive. And Gary was pushing a a lot of that stuff. And we're like, let's actually make a physical purple hat. And it's fun. And we didn't think too far ahead, you know. We were just like... One of our goals of many is to bridge this divide between the physical world and the metaverse, right? I think that is actually one of our jobs as the hundreds because we're very much a physical brand. We're very much in the real world. You travel to anywhere in the world, you might find someone wearing our logo on their back. And so we're out there. And these guys are fully immersed in the digital landscape. And I'm like, what can we do to kind of create a hybrid and show that it's all IRL, right? Like that's real life. And this is real life. There is no distinction, right? Like, everyone who's native to the metaverse and understands NFTs, we already know this, that there's no distinction between Medved Twitter and like me sitting here. It's just like, it's all the same to me. Like, and same with NFTs, like you own it in a screen or you own it on the wall. It's just like, cool. It's just ownership of art, like no difference. And so we want to blur those boundaries more and more and make it so that there's no wall. So that was the first project. And obviously just, it was crazy because we only made like 50 hats and they blew out in like I don't even know a fraction of a second, of course. And then we had, you know, 15,000 other people just mad at us for like a while. And we're like, sorry. And then we did an apes project um, right after that, coming off of our board, um, the CryptoPunks thing. And, you know, it was in the earlier months of apes where they had. Now they're just on a whole other level. They were still very popular back then, but we're like, we love what you guys are doing. They're doing such a good job of brand narrative and like being thoughtful of how they're constructing that story. We love that stuff. And what always drew me to apes more than anything was I just love the art. Like I just love, I thought the illustration, like I collect a lot of NFTs just based on like, I think it looks cool. Like, I don't know if it's going to be expensive, but I love it, you know? And so that's what what attracted me to apes. And uh, the conversation was kind of the same. We're like, what can we do with you? And how can we play with these boundaries and rules around what physical streetwear is and what digital NFTs can be? Um, And then we put that project out. Same thing kind of happened. It just blew out and did very well. And uh, we're actually talking to our third big collaborative NFT partner right now. Um, You could probably guess because they're like in the same realm, but um, that'll be like the next one. But it's almost... I I, kind of love this like portfolio or you know of you have to get the hundreds collaboration in order to be considered one of these now and it's that rite of passage that rite of passage (laughs) if you want to make like physical clothes like we'll kind of set you off on that journey but yeah
2: well as we come towards a close I'm curious because I think um I you, you wrote the book. At the foundation of all this is community. I know this is one of the biggest buzzwords, but even to take it a step past community, I think one thing that the hundreds done really well it's uh, it's built cultural relevance and longevity. So even abstracting just from the technological innovation with NFTs, I'm very curious what advice you have for for different brands and people entering the space on on how to create and drive that cultural relevance and yeah. build community.
0: Yeah, you have to put the brand first. You have to put the project first, put the work first. You just have to be mindful and tend to the community and just remember that this is built one person at a time. It And it takes time, right? And so it's not about... Oh, we're going to convert everyone in the world. (laughs) We are, community is really about curation. And again, I I stressed this point before it's not about you curating, it's about people curating themselves, saying, like, is this project for me or is it not? But you want to constantly refine and edit what your community looks like. I never wanted everyone. I used to say this thing of like, I don't want everyone, I just want someone. Like, I just want one person at a time. And I still treat it like that. I'll spend time, and it doesn't make sense, like, from a business and efficiency point of view, but I'll sit with someone for like 20 minutes minutes 30 minutes like just a complete stranger and talk to them through this and build a connection and i feel like if we can plant those roots very deep one relationship at a time they actually go a lot further because then they proselytize like four or five other people and they're like hey i had a really meaningful interaction with this brand with this human with this founder and like for whatever reason this project feels different and that word of mouth goes a lot further than me like screaming at like Fifty thousand people at a time, and just like doing like a light dusting of a tweet across like my timeline. Um, those are very surface and eph- ephemeral. I and it's probably just like a very romantic ideal. But I'm a strong believer in just really, really meaningful relationships. And so, since the beginning, I've it means as much to me to spend a, to share a conversation and have a coffee with one person as it does in speaking in front of five hundred people. Yesterday was like four thousand plus people on Spaces. That's great. But I was still just having a conversation with Gary, right? And I'm just, I'm, and and we're building that bridge. And so if you can think about it like that, it won't happen overnight. Again, it's not really like the most NFT friendly way where everyone wants everything to happen right away. And we want you to have a million followers right away. So it's like, no, I built this over 20 years. I did it by like running into people in the park. I'm at Disneyland, someone's sitting next to me. I'm on a plane, you know, and I'm just like sitting there and like learning about them and listening. I'm like, that's how you do that's how you build community one person at a time
2: absolutely love it man well uh keep up the great work it's incredible to see how you've continued to grow your community create this longevity around the brand and and keep pushing it forward so thank you thank so much you guys buddy. thanks yeah. for everything love you're it. doing
0: you guys are doing the work Ugh. this is the work yeah it's all of us man. breaking trail teamwork yeah, breaking makes the trail. dream work we're all yeah, yeah, breaking yeah. trail it's so. completely thank i mean honestly it's a thankless job what we're all doing Like we're all patting each other on the back, but we're a very small community. But like outside in the world, they don't know we're building the future, right? Isn't it crazy to walk around a supermarket or at a mall and you're like, and not from like a (laughs) superiority (laughs) kind of way, but just like, I am doing something for everyone here that they're going to benefit from. And they'll never know. Nobody
2: knows. Yeah.
0: They'll never know or acknowledge us. Like we're just a grain in, in time. Yep. But like, it's so rewarding knowing that you're like, we're doing this we're doing it just because we love it and we believe in it so much and if we don't do it no one's gonna do it that's right
2: and so we do the work
1: quite
0: literally
2: building the future building the future yeah there it is yeah on on that note we out man thank you so much thank Thank you man thank you man that was an inspiring episode what stood out to you Matt where to begin uh
1: I loved hearing the origin story of the hundreds, the approach to streetwear, uh, how he brought collaborations more, uh, more firmly into the space, uh, and how he has uh, sort of channeled that ethos into his Web3 strategy. Uh, I think he hit the nail on the head when he said uh, that Web3 is a different beast. It's a different way of doing things, and many people don't understand that. He understands it, and his success with Adam Bomb Squad is no accident. You can see that he understands how fundamentally this technology has shifted the relationship between creators and their communities. And he is at the forefront of that for that reason.
2: Yeah, for sure. Love that. And also love how he's really trying to bring power and ownership back to his actual fans. I I loved how he's saying that, like, we're all influencers. It doesn't necessarily equate to six million followers on Instagram, but even if there's just the six people in your life who you're influencing, and now there's this this ability to actually have ownership in the brands that you support. Um, and that you're being an ambassador of whether or not uh, you're doing it for monetary reasons. But I I think this is at the foundation of Web3 and community ownership and and turning customers into actual legitimate community members and a part of the the culture that they're trying to uplift. So hats off to Bobby. Really love to see how he's being thoughtful and pushing the space forward and super grateful he was able to to come on uh, and chat with us today. So uh, there you have it. If you haven't already, definitely don't hesitate to sign up for our newsletter nftnow.com. Breakdown the latest and greatest in the NFT market. And there you have it for this week. We'll be back next week. Peace.